So let's begin with prayer. And we'll just ask our Father to bless our study. Heavenly Father, we come before you and uh, we just thank you for your loving kindnesses. We thank you for the great love that you have for mankind. And we know, Father, that there is so much suffering on the earth today. And we know that it grieves you. But we look forward to the restitution of your government on earth when Jesus Christ returns very, very, very soon. And Father, we know it's going to be a time of great joy. And we look forward to it. And we pray you'll bless our study now as we come to see the power to heal that Jesus Christ brings. And he's going to bring it now in Acts 3. We're going to see it. And we ask you to bless our study. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's take a look at the scripture here in Acts 3. You remember um, we left last week, Acts chapter 2, with all the brethren and the apostles being together in one accord, having uh, experienced the power of Pentecost, and they were all together um, worshiping and uh, following the doctrine and, and breaking bread together. And now we see in verse 1 of chapter 3, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. So this is a formal prayer that's taking place about three o'clock in the afternoon, the time of the afternoon sacrifice. And so everybody's going up to the temple, all the Jews are going up to the temple for the sacrifice. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb. He was born lame from his mother's womb. He never walked. Lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And it's funny, I've just got back from Chicago, and it's amazing how many people, how many beggars there are uh, in downtown Chicago. And in fact, I saw one uh, couple that had a cardboard sign saying, seeking human kindness. And it's, that's just so opposite of what I'm seeing here. On the one hand, they were able-bodied, they were about 25 or 30 years old, fit as a fiddle, fitter than me, uh, seeking human kindness. is more like seeking human stupidity. Uh, the Bible says if one doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And they're able-bodied, there's no reason why they, they can't be working rather than begging. And, and secondly, so they were, they were perfectly fine physically and mentally. And then secondly, Chicago is so cosmopolitan. There is no common ideology. Everybody thinks and believes many different things. And so there was, there's just no reason for anybody to give anything to them. And so they, they didn't seem to be very successful in their begging. But in this case, everyone shares, everybody that passes this man shares the same ideology, the same religion, the same recognition that they're going in to worship God. And part of their worship is to give charity and to look after those less fortunate. And so his friends would carry him and position him in front of these believers as they're going to worship God. And certainly he, he would do well. He was lame from his mother's womb, and this is what they would do every day to ask alms of them that entered. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. So this is a legitimate request. He's lame, he can't, he can't look after himself. And he's seeing these two pious men going into the temple, so he requests alms from them. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, and remember the, the uh, disciples, the apostles were sent out two by two, and so here they are, the two working together, Peter and John. And Peter looks at him and says, look on us. And so the man looks up, and he gave heed unto them, 
expecting to receive something of them. So certainly, finally, you know, you, you know even though there's so many homeless people and, and people begging alms in, in Chicago downtown, I, may, I guess every major city, but Chicago just really struck me. Um, so most people ignore beggars. I mean, I, I even have to say, I, I don't want to be taken for a fool. And so I try not to make eye contact in some cases, or I just say, I don't have anything, in which case, you know, I really didn't. Um, but here somebody acknowledges him, and so he's expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I, I don't have any silver and gold. And, you know, why, why would that be the case? Well, remember in Acts 2, we just left them saying, and all that believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to, uh, to all men as every man had need. So, so if Peter had any silver and gold, he would have sold it. And, and they had all things in common. So, so he wouldn't have any money that he could call his own. So as he's now going into the temple and this uh, lame man is asking him for, for money, he says, I don't have any. But he says here in, in verse 6, uh, but Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. So I do have something to give you. The man's expecting money. He says, I don't have any money, but such as I have, I, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Wow. Peter is looking at this man lame from birth. And he just knows that he's going to ask him now to get up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, not over time, he didn't kind of struggle and try to work it out. He's never walked before. Immediately... His feet and ankle bones received strength. Lame from his mother's womb. I think he's about 40 years old now. In front of the temple every day. Never walked. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. This is a true miracle. And he, leaping, upstood. And we just read this in Isaiah 35. That Isaiah is saying when Christ returns, this is going to be happening all over. And, and the lame man will leap like a heart, like a deer. And he, leaping, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, something perhaps he had never done before. And now he's going into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. So, you know, they're in there to praise God. And now this man is coming in praising God. He has received this miraculous power of God, and now he's going into the temple with Peter and John. He's walking, he's leaping, he can't believe the strength in his legs, and, he, and he's praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now, remember Luke is writing this second volume to Theophilus. To show Theophilus that the Holy Spirit is working through Peter and, and Peter's ministry to the Jews and then through Paul and his ministry to the Gentiles. But he begins this work in his first volume, which is the Gospel according to Luke, where he shows the works and teachings of Christ. And now in this second volume to Theophilus, He's showing the works and the teachings of Christ. And he's showing that the work that the apostles are doing is the same work that Christ is doing. 
And, and remember we said that Theophilus more than likely is Paul's attorney. And so Luke is giving him all of this back. Luke as a Gentile is giving Theophilus the background so that Theophilus can defend Paul's ministry. And so here now, let's go back to volume one, where we see Peter is doing the very same thing, the very same work that Christ did. In Luke chapter five, verse 17, it says, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, that is, as Christ was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, so some kind of disease, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Christ. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. So he couldn't walk, couldn't walk to come in before Jesus. So they figure out an ingenious way to get him in front of Christ. And when Christ saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? This is crazy. Who does this man think he is? Only God can forgive sins. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, so he could understand what they were thinking, he could he perceived their thoughts, he answering, so they're just thinking this, he answering said unto them, what reason you in your minds? What are you thinking about? What, what, what is your reasoning process taking you through? What, what conclusions are you coming to in your mind secretly? Is it, whether it's easier to say, your sins be forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk. It's just words. So what's easier? Should I say to him, your sins are forgiven you? Or should I say to him, rise up and walk? Well, okay, what's easier? It's actually easier to say your sins are forgiven you. So to see a man who's completely lame, it's impossible for him to walk. To say, rise up and walk. Now we know whether or not you're who you say you are. Because there's a lot of false healers. But if you're going to say, rise up and walk, and we can watch and see it, that's much harder to say. It's actually easier to say your sins are forgiven you because we don't know. Anybody can claim anything that's, that's to do with the afterlife. We, 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 we can't go there. But we're here now, and so he's going to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man is God. That you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins because they know that only God can forgive sins. So that you can know that I am God incarnate, that I am God and I have come into my creation, that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. He turns to the sick of the palsy and he says, I say unto you, arise, take up your couch and go into your house. And notice when, when Peter healed the lame man, it happened immediately. There was no delay. Here. When Christ heals this man who's lame from the palsy, it says, and immediately he rose up before them. No delay. Christ spoke, immediately it happens. And immediately 
he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay, took up his bed, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. So we see the same pattern. A man that's lame, Christ heals him, it happens immediately, and he's able to get up immediately, and he's just experiencing the power of God, and he attributes this miracle to God, and he glorifies God. Same pattern we just saw with Peter. And then, this, and then what happens then, because of this miracle, all the people are amazed. Same pattern. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, with awe, saying, we have seen strange things today. So this is, this is supernatural. We've never seen anything like this before. And, and so Christ could have said, your sins are forgiven you, but he says, rise up and walk. Let's go back now to Acts. And remember when we covered chapter 1, that Peter, before he was uh, baptized with the Holy Spirit, before he received the Holy Spirit, made the very quick decision that Judas needed to be replaced. And so remember in verse 26, they gave forth their lots, they cast lots to see which of the two men that they had, cho that they had chosen. Uh, Luke begins the volume saying that Christ chooses the apostles. And then he says that they had chosen these two and then put them before God to say, which of these two that we have chosen do you, do you want to add? And they gave forth their lots and the lot fell upon Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And I called out when we covered chapter 1 that Luke never says that Matthias was an apostle. He just says that they chose him and they numbered him with the 11 apostles. And then we went to the book of Revelation and showed that there are 12 gates to the New Jerusalem, each gate representing one of the tribes of Israel. And we know that each of the apostles will sit over each of the tribes of Israel. And so I was making the argument that Christ had already selected Peter from his womb and had already chosen P, uh, sorry, Paul as the apostle to replace Judas's office. And so Luke mentions here that they chose Matthias and then he never mentions Matthias again. Never, never even, even thinks about him again. Just says they chose him, he was numbered with the 11 apostles and that's it. Now he's writing to Theophilus to give Theophilus data to support give him facts to support Paul's apostleship and to show Theophilus that Paul's ministry is the ministry of Jesus Christ. It is empowered by the same Holy Spirit that empowered Peter's ministry. And the work that Peter did was the same work that, that uh, Jesus Christ did in volume one. So Theophilus, you have to study volume one. You have to understand the work of Christ with that as context now come into volume two and see that Christ is now in heaven, but his body is on earth, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he continues to do the same work, to preach the same doctrine that he did in volume one. And you're gonna see that first in Peter, as they were instructed to stay in Jerusalem and then take the gospel to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So Peter is responsible for the ministry to the Jews in Jerusalem and in all Judea. And then Paul comes online into the ministry, into the apostleship, to take this uh, covenant to the Gentile world. And now notice now how Paul uh, is, 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 Paul's ministry, is, his apostleship, is justified by Luke. Luke is now going to show Theophilus that Paul's ministry is exactly the same. So we saw Christ heal a man that was lame. The man immediately sprung to his feet. 
He praised God and all the people were amazed. Now we saw that with Peter. Peter looked on this lame man, lame from his birth, the, the man he, he, in the name of Jesus Christ, so it is the work of Jesus Christ. The man stood up immediately, he leaped, he praised God, and all the people were amazed. Now look what Luke writes about Paul's ministry, beginning in chapter 14. <clears throat> and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet. Same thing, another lame man. Being a cripple from his mother's womb. So Luke is not writing this accidentally. Luke is a very intelligent man, a very educated man, a physician, a very precise man in his words, and he's, he's, and he's writing to a, a, a very um, educated man, Theophilus, and he's not choosing these words flippantly. He's saying, look, Theophilus, it's the same ministry. It's the same work of Jesus Christ. It's the work of his spirit through his body on earth now. So he's being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked, just like what Peter did, uh, the work of Christ. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had the faith to be healed, just as Christ looked at them laying down the man through the roof and, and looking at their faith, Paul is doing the same thing that Christ did. And perceiving that he had the faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, he wasn't uncertain, he didn't kind of whisper and then hope it will happen, and then after it happens, maybe make a big deal of it then. Before anything, he says it with a loud voice so that everyone can hear. Stand upright on your feet. And then what happened? Immediately, and he leaped and walked. Same thing. This, this is he's a man lame from his mother's womb. He's leaping and walking and jumping. And it all happens immediately. This is mirac the miraculous power of God. He said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Laconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. So these are now pagans, but they can see that this is supernatural. They're, they're, you know, they don't have the scriptures, but they have their pagan traditions and writings. And so to them, the only way they can interpret this, the narrative that they're going to attach to this is the gods have come down from heaven in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter. And they called Paul Mercury, Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, so the one who's responsible for leading the people in this pagan religion, which was before their city, he brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people unto these gods, these two gods, uh, Barnabas and, and, and Paul. So they're ready to do their worship of these gods, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the people crying out. And again, Luke is writing this for a very specific reason, because we're going to see that Peter had the very same reaction. When they wanted to make a big deal of Peter, Peter's like, don't make a big deal of us. This is Christ. And the same thing when Christ was here and they were trying to make a big deal of Christ, he's like, I'm here to glorify the Father. So Christ came to glorify the Father. We are here to glorify Christ. When people come, like Simon Magus, when we get to chapter 8, where they come along preaching themselves, 
trying to tell, trying to get us to believe that they are great. And some of the spectacles we saw when we looked at chapter two, where people are trying to show that they can speak in tongues and, and they can act like drunken men, they're doing this spectacle so that we'll look at them and believe that there's some kind of special power in them. When the Holy Spirit is at work, we don't seek to glorify ourselves. When the Holy Spirit is at work, we seek to glorify Christ. And Christ seeks to glorify the Father. So that in all in all, Christ and the Father are glorified. And the Father wants us to glorify Christ, as we saw in Philippians 2. So Paul, Luke is writing to Theophilus, and he's showing that Paul is governed by the same thinking inspired by the Holy Spirit as Peter, which is the same thinking as Christ. So when, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes, like they react, this is horrible. This is, this is a tragedy that we come to, uh, to show the people Christ's power and they want to worship us. They tore their clothes and they ran in, they, this is urgent. They ran in among the people crying out, this is urgent, 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 stop. And saying, sirs, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God. So they didn't come saying, you know what? We are apostles. You're, you are mere men. We're apostles. We are the great apostles. And you know, every time we think about ourselves, we just keep getting greater and greater and greater. And Christ actually said, you know, I come telling you of the Father and you don't believe me. If another comes in his own name, him you'll believe. And that's what we see all over the world. False prophets coming in their own name, proclaiming how great they are, and people follow them. And what we see in the apostles is they never claimed greatness. They claim how great Christ is. They point everybody to Christ. And so this is urgent. The people are thinking that they're some great men. They tear their clothes. They run in among the people. They shout out loud, we're just like you. We're men. We have flaws just like you. We have like passions with you. And preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities, not to us, but to the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. So let's go back to Acts now, again with this understanding that the purpose of Acts is Paul, uh, Luke is writing to Theophilus to inform Theophilus so that he can defend Paul competently. And so here in uh, back to chapter 3, verse 10, where we picked up that Peter had uh, healed this man and he went into the temple and he was leaping and walking and praising God. And they knew. So he's inside the temple now. So the people in the Jews that are in the temple, they all knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. So this is no secret. They go to the temple every day for the morning sacrifice, for the, for the afternoon sacrifice. And this man is positioned there strategically. And, and part of their worship is to give him alms. So no doubt, uh, I, would, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to say that everybody in the temple had probably given this man alms at some point or another. Or certainly they would have inquired about him and they would have been told that he's been there all his life. He was born this way. So they all, they, they knew that this is the man that they would never imagine could walk. And so here they are in the temple and they knew it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement. So same pattern. Christ did this healing because the, the, the man was lame. The, the man leaped from his bed. 
the people he, he praises God the people are in wonder and awe same thing with Peter same thing with Paul Luke is trying to get Theophilus to understand that Christ is risen but he sent down the comforter and the same work continues and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which is ha which had happened unto him it, it, it's there's no fake fakeness happening here no falsity it is all true this is this is an absolute miracle and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John so now he's holding on to Peter and John all the people ran together unto them in the porch which is called Solomon's greatly wondering and so you can just see the the layout of Herod's temple so that the temple was rebuilt by Herod and uh, you can see where the gate where is where they enter that's the beautiful gate or the gate beautiful and then you can see Solomon's porch it's outside the temple and so it's sort of a public area where everybody can just hang out and that's where they were then um, preaching so they they ran with the man and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John all the people ran together so he's probably running with them and he's so excited and then all the people are excited and they're running together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wandering just like in Christ's time they said we have seen strange things today these people are probably saying the exact same thing we have seen strange things today and when Peter saw it again this is the same way you saw Paul respond and when Peter saw it he answered and said unto the people this. He answered and said unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we have made this man to walk? So remember, Paul responded the exact same way. So Luke is drawing the parallels. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob the God of our fathers so uh, Paul was talking to Gentiles he didn't need to get into all of this but now Peter is talking to the Jews and so he can tell them this is the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob the God of our fathers has glorified his son Jesus so the, the when the Holy Spirit is in us we don't seek self-praise we know our flaws we're not here to tell people I'm some great prophet believe in me I'm the last prophet I'm the special prophet, I'm the apostle. This is all nonsense. We're human beings, but Jesus Christ is God and he came in the flesh. He came into his own creation to save us. And, and it's God's will that every knee will bow to him. And so if we, if we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, we praise Jesus. And so God has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate. Remember? This is what you did. This really was the Christ. And look what you did. You delivered him up and denied him in the presence of Pilate. When Pilate was determined to let him go. If it was up to Pilate, Jesus would have been free. But you cried out and said you wanted him crucified. But you denied the Holy One. The Holy One. Not a Holy One. The Holy One. The creator himself who came into his creation you denied him and the just and instead you desired a murderer to be granted unto you I would say you were inspired by the devil how is it that you could choose a murderer over your creator who loved you who loves you 
who came into creation to save you, and you hated him without a cause, and chose a murderer over him. You desired a murderer to be granted on you, someone who did nothing for you, only killed one of your own. And you killed the prince of life, or we should uh, translate this, the author of life. You killed the creator. Yes, the creator gave up his godhood, came into the flesh as a human being, and became mortal man, and you killed the author of creation. You killed the author of life. Amazing. Whom God has raised from the dead, and we saw that in Philippians 2, that he humbled himself to death, even the death of the cross. And because he humbled himself and was obedient unto death, God has raised him up and exalted him and given him a name above every name. So you killed the author of life, you killed the creator, but God raised him from death, whereof we are witnesses. We saw this. And we're going we're gonna to declare this as the apostles. We saw this and over 500 brethren saw this and we're not mistaken. We know what we saw. We saw him crucified and he came back to life and he instructed us for 40 days and we're ready now to lay down our lives for this witness because this witness is true. We are his witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. You, you pass him every single day. You know who he is. You know that he was lame from birth. And now look at him, leaping, walking, jumping, praising God. That was all done in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who has made this, name, this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So, you know, if a man has never walked, there's no muscle in his legs. His legs are probably deformed. And now they're looking at him. He probably has more strength in his legs than they do. He can probably leap higher than they can. And so this soundness that has come into his flesh and into his bones comes by the name of Jesus Christ. And he says, the faith which is by him hath given him, this lame man, this perfect soundness. It wasn't hidden. It happened right in front of you, in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance you did this, as did also your rulers. So, okay, you didn't know. You didn't quite understand the scriptures. You, 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 you chose a murderer over your creator, over the one who loves you and wants to set you free and heal you and do all manner of good for you. You chose a murderer. Okay, you did it in ignorance. But those things which God before had shown by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. And the reason Peter can now say this, that God has shown this by the mouth of all his prophets, is that's what Christ taught him. Christ was with the apostles for 40 days. What do you think he was doing? He was turning through the scriptures. They were doing exegesis. They were going through and they were understanding what do these scriptures actually mean. Look in the first volume of Luke, at the end of the first volume. Luke says, And he said unto them, speaking to the apostles, These are the words which I spoke to you. So, so when he was resurrected now, he, he, he had suffered, he died, he was in the grave for three days and three nights, and then he came out of the grave. 
he stood up and he approached them. And they, they, they were trying to get their head around this. And he says to them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you. So before I was taken away from you, I told you this, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, so the Torah, the first five books, and in the prophets, so all the prophets spoke about this, and in the Psalms concerning me. The whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. So anybody who wants to take the Bible apart and try and say it's speaking about someone else, this is ridiculous. The whole, all the prophets speak of this time. All the prophets speak about Christ. The, the very Torah was all about every single book in the Torah speaks about Christ. All the prophets speak about Christ. And, and David himself, the Psalms, speak of Christ. And so look in the Torah in Genesis. He says, right from the beginning, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Her seed shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is a prophecy right in Genesis concerning Christ. And every book of the five books of Moses, every single one of them speaks of Christ. David in Psalms says, I have set the Lord always before me. And so we can do, we're just looking at all the prophets here. He says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. This is speaking of Christ. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope, hope of the resurrection. So Christ was not left to be corrupted and, and, and uh, decompose in the grave. No, it rested in hope, and, and God raised him up. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, in the grave. Neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. It's impossible for God to lie. The Holy One is Christ, and, and God will not leave him in the grave. So after three days and three nights, God resurrected him. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. A Psalm 41. Yes, my own familiar friend. He's, he's prophesying of what Judas is going to do. That it, it's not going to be an enemy. It's going to be somebody in his inner circle. My own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat my bread. Behold, he that eats with me rises up against me. He that sips, uh, dips the sop with me shall betray me. When, when they said, Lord, which, who, who is it? which did eat of my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. David is prophesying. Isaiah says, I gave my back to the smiters. Of whom does he speak? You know, the, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah and he didn't know who, who, who is Isaiah speaking about. And Philip had to teach him. He's speaking about Christ. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheek to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. This is Christ. He, 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 had, he, had a, he was a man on a mission. He came from heaven to earth on a mission. And he could not back away from that mission. As painful as this was, he kept his mind for the hope that was set before him. Surely, Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our griefs. Of whom is he speaking? And carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. That's what we thought. We thought that he was smitten, we thought that he was afflicted, but we didn't realize he was wounded for our transgressions. 
he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As painful as that was for him, we rejoice that he had the courage, that he had the love, that he had the commitment to do this for the whole world, all humanity. We just have to humble ourselves and choose him, and we can be forgiven that all of our iniquity Every single iniquity must be punished. God is a righteous judge. There is no iniquity that goes unpunished. And, the, and, and we can choose that punishment for ourselves, or we can choose Christ and put the iniquity on Christ. And Christ has taken the punishment of that iniquity. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He came from heaven to earth on a mission. And there is no way he was going to deviate from that mission because of his love for his creation. He opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is not an afterthought. All the prophets write about this because it was embedded in the plan of God from the very foundation of creation, from the foundation of the world. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, in the exact same way, he opened not his mouth. He is the perfect sacrifice. Zechariah, another prophet, says, And I will pour upon the house of David, this is yet to happen, I will pour upon the house of David, the Jews, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is the mercy that Christ will have on the Jews. They're, they're, going, to be in, they're going to be in a major crisis, and this is going to happen. That I will pour upon the house of David, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, they're going to be surrounded by armies and, and they're going to have to run for their life. But, but when it looks like they're going to be completely slaughtered, Christ is going to act. And upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. And he says, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. All the prophets, when we read the prophets, we see this, this, this um, pattern where the, the unfaithful Israelites are punished for breaking the covenant, and they're punished in a very precise way. It's exactly as God outlines in the book of Deuteronomy. So when we, we read Deuteronomy first, and then we go through and we read First uh, and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, and we see that God is faithful to his promises, both for good and for bad. When, when Israel does their part of the covenant for good, God does his part of the covenant for good. And when Israel does their part of the, when, the, when they break the covenant, God, does it, God punishes them exactly as he said, as exactly as he outlines in Deuteronomy. At the same time, in Malachi, he says, I am the Lord and I change not. I don't change. I don't, I don't go back on my covenant. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. And that's how the Old Testament ends, with the prophet Malachi saying, you faithless children should be destroyed. But because of God's faithfulness to his covenant, you are not destroyed. That, that ultimately, Israel will be saved. And so here is Zachar All the prophets, it's the same pattern. You're going to be punished, but you're going to be saved by Christ. 
And here Zechariah is saying exactly that, that they'll look upon him whom they've pierced as one mourns for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Here in, in Matthew, Christ himself says uh, that he's going to die and be risen according to the scriptures. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Here in Corinthians, Paul says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He's now alluding to the book of Exodus in the, in the Torah to show that the Exodus and the Passover was all about Christ. That, that it wasn't a lamb. The lamb was foreshadowing the sacrifice of Christ. And we could go book by book, prophet by prophet. The, the entire Bible is about Jesus Christ. And so for 40 days, Christ had the apostles privately showing them all the scriptures. And so that's why Peter now can say all the prophets spoke about Christ and of this time. And here in Malachi, he says, this is how the Old Testament ends, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, speaking of John the Baptist, and uh, preparing the way before Christ. And the Lord, whom you seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, the covenant with Israel. God is faithful to his covenant, whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. And then Job finally, I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. Who, who's he speaking about? Christ. And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. So Job knew this. He understood because he had the scriptures as well. And so he knew that this was going to happen. Repent you therefore, going back to Acts 3. <clears throat> going back to Acts 3. He says, re so he's, he's showing them this. You guys have taken the devil's advice. You fought against your creator, you even, to the point where you even chose a murderer over your creator. Repent you, therefore, and be converted. So, so Peter doesn't pull any punches, and we shouldn't pull any punches e either. We should have the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And, and what Luke is showing here is that the Holy Spirit gives boldness, first to Peter and then to Paul. And so that Theophilus can see, wow, what Paul is doing is preaching Christ boldly. And that's exactly what he should be doing if he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Repent you, therefore, you evil people, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. All of your iniquities you can put on Christ. He'll accept you. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, make no mistake, you know the scriptures, it's coming. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. So Christ was preached unto, unto you. You didn't accept him. Accept him now. Whom the heaven must receive. This is part of the plan. So we're now from Pentecost. We're now going all the way to trumpets. And the heavens must receive him until the times of restitution of all things. The whole earth. And we see this through the, the Day of Atonement. The whole earth is going to be reconciled with God. There's going to be a restitution of all things. Satan is going to be locked away. And then all mankind is going to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So this, this is going to be, the heavens must receive him. He's the, uh, at the right hand of God until the times of the restitution of all things, which, with the, which the Father has and has kept from the apostles. Uh, only the Father has this, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Jesus Christ is not an afterthought. 
This was in the plan of God from the very beginning. And so all the prophets preached Christ. And, 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 and they can now show you. You tell them which prophet you want to talk about, and they'll show you how that prophet spoke of Christ. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, and now he's going into Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 18, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, so from among you, like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet, so if you will not accept Jesus Christ, shall be destroyed from among the people. This is, Jesus Christ is the question. What's your answer? Jesus Christ is every single human being. Every single human being must answer the question. How do you respond to Jesus Christ? And if the answer is, I accept Christ, wonderful. You, you, you now have the opportunity to live forever because this temporary existence is not what life is about. If your answer is that you reject Christ, oh well, oh well, you will be destroyed. And so this is the message. If you will not hear this prophet, you shall be destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets, he keeps repeating this. Christ is not an afterthought. All the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with our fathers. So this Jesus Christ, he's come to bless all mankind, but he will only bless mankind through the covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, with Israel. And you are the children of these fathers. And so this covenant actually comes through you and to you. And you've got to decide. Are you going to accept Jesus Christ or reject him? So this, many people don't realize that Christianity, the original Christians, were all Jews. Christianity's root is Hebraic because the covenant is with the Hebrews. And, and when Paul comes along, what he does is he extends the offer to the Gentiles to come into this covenant with Israel. God works with man through covenants, through promises that he binds himself to a certain code of conduct through the covenant. And we have to believe him and trust him just as Abraham did. And it was counted unto Abraham for righteousness. So this covenant, you're the children of the covenant. And so you have to now reconcile with Christ and decide where you stand. You are the children of the prophets and all the prophets spoke of Christ and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, in your seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham. And in Christ shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That is, that is the gospel. That's the good news. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the King of the Kingdom of God. And the whole earth, all the children of the earth, are going to be blessed through this covenant that he made with Abraham, which then came through Moses and now is coming through Christ. Christ is the prophet like Moses that is now responsible for the new covenant and that enables the whole earth to be blessed. 
You are the, verse 25, you are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in your seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem first, then Judea, then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. But the, don't go to the ends of the earth unless you go to the Jew first. Even when Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, we'll see when we go through the rest of Acts, when he would go into different, uh, temp, different uh, cities, he would go to the temple first. And he would take the gospel to the Jew first. The Jew has the priority. He would take it to Israel first. Only after they rejected it, then he took it to the Gentiles. Unto you first, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. And you chose a murderer. He sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. And so ends chapter 3 with Luke making it crystal clear to Theophilus that Peter is doing the, is continuing everything that Jesus began both to say, to teach, and to do. So Theophilus has studied volume 1 and now he's studying volume 2 and he's saying, wow. Peter's doing the exact same work, teaching the exact same thing that Christ did. And what we're going to see now is the, re the response when we, when we come together again uh, next week, God willing, when we look at chapter 4, what we're going to see is the response of the people to this benevolence of Christ. Christ came and he was benevolent. He didn't harm anybody. He blessed everybody. He showed love. He showed concern. He, he was on a mission to bless everyone, and he was hated without a cause. And that's why he says to the apostles, you are going to be my martyrs, because you're going you're gonna to teach what I taught, you're going to do what I did, you're going to love people the way I love them, you're going to do good, you're not going to do harm, and you're going to be hated without a cause. And we're going to see that when we come together next week to do chapter 4. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on chapter 3.